I'm Marina Tarasova, and welcome to My Happy Thyroid, your source for all things thyroid health and wellness. My Happy Thyroid is presented by Paloma Health, the first online medical practice focused on living well with hypothyroidism. Today we're talking about the benefits of a paleo diet for Hashimoto's disease, and we are sitting down with Alison Mares of Food by Mars, uh, who is a nutritional therapy practitioner and a recipe developer and home chef. Um, Alison's recipes have been featured uh, all over the place in Well and Good, uh, Whole30, Autoimmune Wellness, GFF Magazine. Um, she's spoken at Facebook and has been on a ton of podcasts and spoken at various health summits. She is a wealth of knowledge and also lives with Hashimoto's disease. So uh, we're excited to learn more from her about the benefits of a paleo diet for Hashimoto's. So Alison, maybe we can start by you telling us a bit about who you are and what you do and what your journey with Hashimoto's has been like. So um, I'm a nutritional therapy practitioner. And I also have a food blog called foodbymars.com. And that's where it really all started is when I initially uh, was experiencing these weird symptoms. I had just gotten off the birth control pill that I was on for like 10 plus years or so because I had a lot of PCOS issues. I had a lot of other health troubles like chronic digestive issues, whatever. But I thought it was all like, oh, this is my gene pool. This is what I've gotten you know, handed in life because that's kind of what you're told. And every gynecologist, especially with my very painful period and PCOS issues was like, well, you got to go on the pill. There's nothing else we can do besides put you on like painkillers essentially. Um, so I was on the pill for a really long time, got off and then everything started going berserk. All my hair started falling out. My skin was breaking out. I had like scales all over my head and like even coming down to my shoulder, I had all this dermatitis and I was just going through the generic sort of Western medical route of like dermatologist, gynecologist, tracheologist, who knew that was a thing? It's a scalp <laughs> specialist that you can go to. I went everywhere because I was trying to figure it out. And in the meantime, I was just kind of burning out at work, doing all the things. And my health was struggling at the same time because I was in like my late twenties, you know, doing all the things. And I wanted a creative outlet. So I started my blog and it was also an exploration of me messing with like food as medicine and taking things out of my diet, going gluten-free, dairy-free. Even in the beginning, I was vegetarian. And so I, I explored a lot of different diets to see what was going to help with my health and healing. Um, and eventually I got diagnosed. I went back to school to become a nutritional therapy practitioner and health coach. Um, and now I'm publishing a cookbook to talk about all about my gut healing experience and journey that I really want to make more approachable and just sort of demystify. I want to make these things simple, not just with food, but obviously it's a cookbook. A lot of it has to do with food, um, but also just lifestyle practices and things that I know we'll, we'll get into. So that's, that's kind of been the journey. Um, and then I guess to round it out too, I was able to go into remission with Hashimoto's. I was able to have a healthy pregnancy and baby girl two years ago. Yes. So that was kind of like my Everest because I wasn't sure between PCOS and Hashimoto's. I was very, very scared, to be honest. Um, and that was one of my biggest concerns besides going bald. That was another big <laughs> concern that I had. I lost about 75% of my hair, honestly. And um, 
being able to turn things around with diet, lifestyle, and medication and practitioner support, it all just worked synergistically for me to be able to really see that I was absolutely capable of healing and thriving. And I would say that I, I'm definitely thriving with, with the Hashis and, and doing all that. So yeah. Yeah, that's awesome. Um, very exciting about your cookbook. And I have lots of questions about the sort of the focus there. But before we get into it, I'd love to know, you said sort of early on in your healing journey, you were experimenting in the kitchen and you were trying all different diets and, you know, you were recognizing this connection between your diet and healing and food as medicine. I guess I'm curious about like what tipped you off to that because it's before you got trained or certified in anything. Um, and then maybe you can talk a bit about uh, what role gut health and gut healing um, played in your journey. Yes, that's a great question. I think Dr. Google probably helped me figure out some diets to try. I, I always thought, you know, hey, eating well and working out is going to be helpful. So I, I thought that I was a fairly healthy-ish person because, and I'm sure probably a lot of listeners can rate, but um, there was a lot of autoimmune disease in my family. So growing up, I saw my mother struggle with chronic fatigue, fibromyalgia, lots of food sensitivities and allergies, chronic migraine, the full gamut and arthritis, like just honestly, the list goes on and on. So I saw her collect a lot of these autoimmune immune disease conditions and illnesses. And I saw that and I was just like, no, that is not going to be me. I cannot do this. I saw cancers. And so I'm sure we can all relate to this in different ways. And so, you know, going to high school and college and even coming out of college, I'm like, no, I, I do juice cleanses. I, <laughs> I have smoothies um, with lots of sugar in them. And I thought I was doing all the things to be healthy, but now I look back and I realize, oh my God, like <laughs> I was really not doing myself a lot of favors there. I was working out excessively, burning out my adrenals. Uh, I could just go on and on at all the things that I was doing. But essentially I always thought I was trying to be healthy. And then I think once things really started hitting the fan and these symptoms were so hard to ignore and it was just really all I could think about after a while, I started realizing and hearing more and reading more about, hey, everything begins in the gut. And I was like, mm, my gut probably isn't that good. Maybe this isn't normal to like not go to the bathroom for days and, <laughs> and not do these things that are normal for other people. I thought it was just my normal and that was okay. And so continuing to, to pick away at that, I started to just mess with different food things. I think hearing people going gluten-free at the time was really becoming big. Celiac was coming out more and more like, oh, people need to get tested for this. And I'm like, hmm, I wonder if that's it. So it just started snowballing from there and self-exploration um, and feeling better when I started cooking. Cause that's the thing, like looking back 10 years, I was living on takeout and juice cleanses and spin classes. Like it's out of control <laughs> and happy hours. Like it was ridiculous. Um, and I had a tiny New York city apartment. And so I couldn't cook a lot. So I really had to take a steak and say, no, I, I started watching food network. I started getting in the kitchen and messing with stuff and I loved it. And so the food blog kind of evolved and all the different diets and just eating whole foods was <laughs> one of the biggest changes that I was making. Yeah, that makes a lot of sense. And I feel like probably it's fun to start experimenting with cooking and then to see the benefits of feeling better was like, oh, this makes it even more worth it. And I want to keep going. 
Yeah. Um, so you've obviously like honed in a bit on the paleo diet. I'm wondering if you can tell us what is the paleo diet um, and how is it, how is it beneficial to thyroid patients? Yeah. So the paleo diet is essentially a way to return back to nature. That's really the way that I describe it because we're just talking about eating whole nutrient dense foods. There are things that are not included on the paleo diet that are still healthful foods for a lot of people, but they can be inflammatory, especially in compromised gut and immune function. So things like grains, legumes, um, definitely gluten, dairy, uh, things like that, that it's not always like some people do fine with dairy after a while, or they can have rice and beans here and there. I will tell you, I've used paleo as a template and I've been able to include some of those things back because I grew up with rice and beans or, you know, certain foods like that. So I've been able to have them here and there, but I had to do quite a bit of healing because I couldn't handle them for a while. And that was devastating to me because I loved certain things like that. Even cheese, I'm able to have some goat cheese now, but it's not really central to the paleo diet because the idea is more so we want to include things that our ancestors were eating before things like dairy products came out, before grain products, because grains are not easy to digest. They go through quite a process for us to be able to eat them. If you think of wheat in a field, that's not how you're eating it. <laughs> that's how you're, that's not a loaf of bread growing from a tree, right? It is very processed and we have to do a lot of things to it. So just kind of by definition of having to process things a lot, that means we can't inherently digest it very well on its own. So I just think of it that way, like, did it come from the ground or did it come from roaming the ground? If not, it's probably not paleo. And I think that returning to nature is the closest thing we can do to hitting the reset button, to reconnecting with ourselves. Um, and definitely, definitely, this kind of goes without saying, but I have to say it, it removes hyperpalatable, refined sugar, refined foods that are so just devastating to not just our digestive system, but certainly our thyroid as well. Um, we know sugar is a big issue with thyroid, with adrenals, with liver detoxification. So um, it really kind of clears the pathway of all that. So we can get back to including foods that are healing, that are giving us all the vitamins and minerals and nutrients that we really need um, to be able to heal and thrive. To back up just a little bit to something you said. So the paleo diet is like really focused on you know, anti-inflammatory foods yeah. and reducing inflammation in the body, I guess, um, just to take it a step back, what might people be noticing if they're having an inflammatory response in the body? Like what kind of things might trigger you to go, oh, I should change my diet to yeah. eat less inflammatory foods? Yes. Okay. So inflammation is usually pain or swelling, it, you know, it might represent in some way. So when we think about like nitty gritty symptoms, it can be joint pain, it can be headaches. Um, it can be a lot of that sort of the gut issues that we tend to feel, the bloat, distension, irregularity, constipation, diarrhea, anything like that, where we're starting to think like food and digestion is an issue here. Something's affecting me. Um, and so certainly inflammatory foods have to be the first to go because that's just not doing anybody any favors in general. Um, so certainly those things, but it can be way beyond that skin issue, skin irritations. We know that if everything sort of starts in the gut, we can trace a lot of symptoms back to our gut health. So a lot of skin issues 
our, you know, problems with our gut first um, and just imbalances that we need to correct. So it can be any of those things, any wide range of those things. And for example, with the hair loss that I was experiencing or some of these other sort of quasi symptoms like that, or, hey, your nails are really soft and peeling or breaking constantly, it's usually deficiencies. And so if we're so caught up eating, the takeouts, the processed foods, the hyperpalatable foods that are keeping us really addicted to sugar and, you know, chemicals that we don't get anything from, like they're not giving us anything good. That is what we're choosing to put into our body versus something that's nutrient dense, that's giving us enough iron, ferritin to grow our hair, right? Uh, you know, good collagen for our skin and nails, things like that. So it's a matter of, hey, eating food that's causing a problem, it's inflammatory and causing an issue, but then also we're taking up space and choosing these inflammatory foods over the foods that are gonna give us stuff. So now we're suffering with deficiencies as well. So it's quite a like web to, to untangle, um, but that's how we would do it. Get out the inflammatory stuff and include a lot of nutrient dense foods versus only focusing on like, I can't have gluten, I can't have cheese. It's like, yes, but what can you have? What are you going to be giving your body? We have to focus like on that positive reframe, I think. Yeah, I think that's super helpful and leads into my next question, which is at Paloma Health talk a lot about diet and how that can support your thyroid health. We also talk about using like AIP or an elimination diet to figure out what, what is causing an inflammatory response because what's bothering me might not be bothering you, even though there's some culprits that you know are affecting a lot of us. Um, I guess my question is, can you talk a little bit about the AIP diet what it is and then how it differs from, from paleo and why someone might, you know, choose one over the other, or when you might choose one of these methods of eating. Yes. It's a great question. So if you think of paleo as like sort of the starting foundation, right? This is us returning back to nature where we've removed the hyperpalatable processed refined foods out. And we've removed like the main culprits, like the, the dairy, the gluten, the grains and the legumes, for example, out of the diet that we know are notoriously difficult to digest and probably causing inflammation. Maybe they're genetically modified and bad quality, yada, yada. Then to get onto AIP, the autoimmune protocol, um, think of that as like another layer on top where it's more strict eliminations that you would do for a short period of time. Okay, there's a few phases to the AIP uh, diet. And so first starts with elimination. And that's going to be things like nightshades, vegetables and spices. So that includes potatoes, tomatoes, uh, eggplant, all the fun, spicy spices that you might <laughs> really like if you love spicy food. Um, that's all out because that can be very inflammatory. And especially if you've ever suffered with acid reflux or arthritis, and you know that when you have like marinara sauce and peppers and all these things that it it makes you swell or you have joint pain. That's like a quick way to describe it is that we know that that can cause some of some more inflammation. Solanine is a compound in there that can cause some inflammation. So we take nightshades out, nuts, seeds. They can also be kind of difficult to digest, especially when not properly prepared, soaked and sprouted and all these things. Um, what else? Eggs can be a trigger for a lot of people, especially with autoimmune disease. Um, so there's a few more eliminations on top of paleo that we do. And I'm trying to think if there's any other big ones, nuts, seeds, eggs, um, the nightshades. Those are kind of the biggest that are coming to mind that already 
would have been eliminated on paleo anyway. So once you get to that, you eliminate for about a month, maybe to three months max. And I just want to highlight that because sometimes we do often feel so much better off those foods, even though it's like, whoa, what do I eat <laughs> initially? Um, then you come to my blog and you find recipes and, and it's good and, and you figure out what to eat and you start to feel a lot better. But the idea is you have to then work on reintroductions. It's important too, because especially with gut health, the more diverse our diet is, the more diverse our microbiome is, which means we're healthier. So we do want to not lean on the same foods over and over again, no matter what diet you're eating, but especially when we get on a more restrictive elimination diet, we're like our window's even smaller. So we want to challenge reintroductions. There's a four phase reintroduction with AIP and it's very organized. I'm sure you have resources. I have resources and there's a lot of them out there on the web, but um, you want to kind of go in this order of reintroductions, tuning in with your body, keeping a food and mood journal. It's messy, but it's just, it's the only way to really do it. And you do these reintroductions and then you kind of get to the third phase, which is really just personalization and maintenance. Now you're really figuring out, oh, okay. I was able to, to bring eggs and nuts back in moderation, but not like tomatoes and peppers. Like that didn't work out well, for example. So this is when you start getting more into your personalized diet. And that's what I'm all about. These are templates. These are diets. There's no way to specifically know what exactly you are being triggered by without testing it. And that's what it is. Um, and so I always like to say to approach it with this open mind, learning as you go, really being loving towards our body, not that we're fixing or rigidly forcing our body to do a thing that's not, that's just going to backfire. I really like to say like, let's keep an open mind. Let's have fun with it. I, I often tell people when I first did the AIP diet, I treated it like that food network show chopped. If you know that show with the basket of random foods you get, <laughs> you have to make a meal out of it. It's kind of what I did just so that I could approach it with a level head. But I will just say as a disclaimer, if you feel if you've had an eating disorder or ha currently have one, if you feel very triggered when you read about it and you're like, oh my God, that I can't do that. Maybe consider maybe this isn't the right time for you. And maybe you can at least do paleo and take it from there and tune into your body to see mm, certain things are not agreeing with me. I'm going to do that a little less. I'm going to maybe back burner that. And to your point about like, how would you know which one to do? I would say starting with paleo is a must. That's my like honest opinion, especially if you're coming from a standard American diet or a, a different diet, you would want to start with paleo first for at least a month. And then if you feel curious and excited to take on AIP, go for it, especially if you have an autoimmune disease, of course, or there's even been, first of all, there's studies out there about Hashimoto's with AIP, lowering antibodies, um, but also for IBS. So whether it's IBSD or C or, you know, whichever one you have or gut disorders, you know, that go along with IBS. It's also been studied to help reduce inflammation and symptoms. Something that I hear often from people is like, I want to try AIP, but it's like so full on. And then you try it for a little bit. It's too much. You fall mm -hmm. off because, and you're like, well, this is a failure. I'm just going to eat. I'm just going to take, get takeout again. Yeah. <laughs> uh, so I think your point is good. Like start with paleo and then, or start with one thing, like eliminate just gluten or just whatever, um, start with one thing and then build up so that you can be in this for the long haul. So you were talking obviously about like, you know, so we, we eliminate some things. It's really important to focus on what we're actually fueling our bodies with. 
Yeah. Um, so obviously what we eat is a part of the equation. You talk in your new book about how we eat. Um, can you share a bit about in what ways how we eat is important yeah. to this overall equation? Yes. So something that I want more people to know about digestion is that, and you may have heard of this before, but that gut brain connection is so key. Digestion doesn't exist like alone in, a, in its own little compartment, not bothering anything. It is so central to the rest of our body, but it is also on feedback loops with the rest of our body. Um, so to heal digestion, to really manage our gut health, we have to look at other things and the biggest being the brain and our nervous system, because we have what's called the vagus nerve, which runs from our brainstem all the way down to our gut, but it's hitting on everything else in between. Um, and this is where our nervous system health comes into play. This is where getting into a parasympathetic, which is also called the rest and digest state is so key when we're eating, especially. Um, because quite honestly, we can't digest properly if we are not in that state. If we're in a fight or flight state, we're stressed out, we're driving, we're in traffic, uh, maybe we're scrolling our phones, reading news or social media, like so many people will do while they're eating, or we're like on our laptop working and we're just like shoving food into our mouth. We're not in the right state. And so already digestion's not hitching off, you know, well, because it starts in the brain and it starts with us switching to that parasympathetic state. So something that I like to talk about in terms of how we eat is mindfully eating is really putting the laptop down, throw the phone across the room, you know, get rid of distractions and really be present with our meal. Um, slow down, chew your food extremely well. How many of us just inhale <laughs> our food? It's like, I don't know, I meal prepped, it's healthy, like just shove it in my mouth. And it's like, that's great. You took care of the what, but you didn't take care of the how. And so thinking about it that way, I always think back to like Mary Poppins when she says a spoonful of sugar helps the medicine go down. I like to think about the way you eat, right? Like the love you're bringing to fueling your body. It's not just like, what, I made, I made the greens and the chicken, you know, I made the healthy thing. Why is it not working? And it's like, well, you weren't in the state to properly digest your body. The food needs to be received into a good environment to be able to assimilate and for us to break it down properly and absorb all the nutrients from it. It's going to be so difficult if we're not paying attention to that. And the things I said seem really simple, right? Like slow down, take a few breaths before you eat, chew your food. It's like, okay, I could do that. Uh, but it's hard. It's hard for a lot of us because we just don't eat that way in our modern day lives, right? It's vending machines and drive-throughs and like think about our culture, the way we treat food. It's just not ideal to the way our body actually needs to receive it. So it is a shift um, in not just the quantity and quality of your food, but the way that you are eating, honestly. So I would also say that that's even part of the tenets of paleo. Like we talked about the paleo food diet, but paleo also includes lifestyle, like getting good sleep, getting sun on your skin, movement, like really thinking about how we return our bodies back to nature in our modern day lives. And I think that mindful eating is one of the big keys to that. So I talk quite a bit about that in the book. Yeah, which is a great segue. I mean, this is one of my favorite things that you talk about is how we eat also mm -hmm. um, from your teachings. I feel like I've, you know, I try and count how many times I chew and I Yay. try and put my phone down and this sort of thing um, because it is so counter to how 
we operate in the world. Um, so I know your book is not just recipes. It's got a lot of like healing practices in there also. Um, I'm hoping you can tell us a bit about it and specifically how Hashimoto's patients might use it um, as part of their healing journey. For Hashimoto's, we know it's autoimmune. So while of course we want to support the thyroid with the nutrients that it needs, like selenium and you know all this good stuff, iodine in the, in the right ways and all these other things, Yes, that's important. And ideally that can come from our diet, but we're not going to be able to assimilate or break down those nutrients when our digestion is impaired. We also know about 70 to 80% of our immune system lives in our gut. So if we have an autoimmune disease, our immune system is overactive and we're trying to take a look at, well, why is that happening? How can we get this inflammation under control? We have to look at healing the immune system, which means healing the gut. So it always starts with that. So whether it's Hashimoto's, hypothyroid, whatever it is for you in life ever, whoever's listening to this, <laughs> we have to look at gut health. We just have to. So that's why it's important to think about it that way, especially for Hashimoto's. Um, and I think again, like really thinking, okay, yes, I'm tackling the what of what I'm eating and I'm starting, I love your, your tips. Like, Hey, can I at least go gluten-free? Like oftentimes if I have a client that comes to me, they're nowhere near paleo, you know, yes, they want to eat healthy, but they are nowhere near paleo. It's like, okay, no problem. Let's first go gluten-free and get refined sugar and better foods in. Then let's start talking about dairy then let's let's move into full paleo and then it becomes much easier to like ease into and less jarring one of the biggest challenges i feel like for people is okay two biggest challenges food that they really miss like how can they have their favorite lasagna that with the melty cheese and there's no pot you know they can't do their pasta or they can't do their cheese or whatever that's one thing is like yes food is medicine but food is emotional food can be comfort and it has a lot of meaning tied to it from the way we've grown up or events and things that we've tied to it. Right. Um, so that's one thing, but the other major thing is social aspect. Like maybe your partner or friends or family simply do not eat this way. They don't know why you're eating this way. They don't get it. It's not mainstream for us to say, Hey, I have a chronic illness. So I need to shift my lifestyle. Cause this is chronic. That's the other thing, right? Like this isn't a quick whole 30. Like this is a lifestyle shift. This is how am I going to be nourishing my body so that I can keep symptoms under control and hopefully, you know, see really great results. Um, so figuring out how to do this in a way that feels joyful, feels a little easier, doesn't feel like it's such a stretch all the time. So that's what I hope to do with my cooking, with my recipes is that it's delicious. It's reminiscent of your favorite childhood food. So I have a lot of my favorite you know, dishes that I grew up with or that I loved, you know, eating at restaurants and stuff like that so that I can recreate them at home. Um, so there's a lot of that with the recipes. And then I would say the other piece is, like you said, I have a lot of these like leading chapters talking about digestion. I really, I think that the more people know about digestion, like knowledge is power, right? So the more we know about what is going on in there, I don't know why we weren't taught this in health class, like in school, it just seems like the most important thing to me. Um, but 
the more we know about that, the better decisions we can make. It It's less of making decisions from a place of, oh, I don't know, I heard someone mention I have to go on this stupid diet, so I'm doing this diet. And it's more of a place of empowerment, like, oh, that makes sense. I want to do this. You know, that that's what shifted for me, especially when I went back to school. I was like, oh my God, this is serious. Like, I'm... <laughs> you know, this makes so much sense to me now. And I can make a decision more critically versus just like, I got to do this. Um, so I have a lot of that information in there. And then like you mentioned, the practices, I have 10 strategies for just really living a gut healthy lifestyle. And one of them is mindful eating. I have things in there, like how to prepare meals, um, to like cook things a little bit differently to make them better for digestion and what types of foods to include and stuff like that. Um, you asked me about a favorite recipe. Oof. Okay, so here's the book. And it's beautiful. Just, thank you. Okay, so I'm going to share one of I'm going to share this with you. It looks like a sandwich. Um, but that's plantains, actually. Plantains okay. are magical. You could do a lot of things with them. <laughs> They're also prebiotic. So this is called a jibarito and it's um, it's a plantain sandwich, essentially. So I have mango and chicken in there. And it's so easy to make and so reminiscent of a sandwich that I love it. So this is what I mean when I say you can like have your cake and eat it too, um, if you're creative and just have fun in the kitchen and try new things. So I also have a lot of soups that I love. There's like this on the covers, an Italian wedding soup that I shared on Instagram recently and people loved it. So I was so happy to see that. So there's lots of good, like easy, or more involved recipes that you could make on a weekday or meal prep on a weekend, whatever you like. Um, and I will say too, I have a two week meal plan in the back uh, where I organize some of the recipes and I organize sort of an agenda for two weeks to, to do a refresh, to like just do a gut refresh because I think it's helpful to just put it in practice um, and really feel the effects right away so that you can see how your body is responding to it. I'm excited to make the plantain sandwich. And awesome. I love that you mentioned the meal plan in the back. I think that's um, at least, you know, so many thyroid patients feel fatigued or feel tired. And there's like some level of overwhelm to even get started on a new diet. How do I even plan this? So that's, um, that alone is a helpful tool. And it sounds like there's so much else in the book. Um, I, and we really appreciate your time. Can you tell everyone listening, like where they can learn more about you and your coaching and more about the book where they can yes, get the absolutely. book if they want it. Absolutely. And thank you so much. I love Paloma. I always recommend it to my clients, to my community. Um, it's a struggle. <laughs> Thyroid health and getting sort of the right expertise and support on it and everything that you do. I just love, I wish I had you back in the day, <laughs> um, but I will save that for another time, but I just wanted to thank you for having me. And yes, come connect with me. I'm on Instagram, Food by Mars, like the planet. Uh, my blog and website is foodbymars.com where I have hundreds and hundreds of paleo and AIP recipes, as well as I have plenty of articles on Hashimoto's, things that I've done on my own healing journey, my pregnancy with Hashimoto. So if any of that is of interest to you, please come and check that out. And then you can buy my cookbook really wherever cookbooks are sold. Definitely Amazon. It is also international. So if you happen to not be in the States, um, if you're in like the UK, Europe, Australia, it's being sold there as well. Um, and you can always find it on my website too. Thank you again for your time and for all of your knowledge. I mean, it's very powerful for our community to hear from someone who's like walked in their shoes about what's worked for them in their healing journey. And thank you so much.
Happy Thyroid is presented by Paloma Health, the first online medical practice focused on living well with hypothyroidism. You can go to palomahealth.com to learn more. 